Hello and welcome to I Heard It on a Podcast, our little corner of the Wild West. My name is Isaiah, and uh, now the boiled pork is fried. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. My name's Riley. Yeah. We, I, I need to figure out a better way to fit your name in and also say the... It doesn't same. matter. My name's not important. Your name's not important. No, it's not. What no is important is the fact that Sweden has sayings about pork. Yeah. So it's... I'm so glad my sayings are in English. <laughs> it means now the boiled pork is fried. And basically it means you're in deep doo-doo. Something oh. has gone very wrong and you are in trouble. So there you go. Something has gone wrong. The boiled, boiled pork, pork is, is fried. fried. I'm curious how uh, accurately these things are transliterated, you know? Sure. like. Is it literally like does someone who's fluent in both of these languages would they actually say that or is it like well it's not really pork and it's not really boiled and it's more right. just like out of the frying pan into the fire sure I wonder if that's a Western slang anyway it's probably said in the West <laughs> someone probably said that while camping one time yeah makes it Western that anyway. makes it Western um, moving on from sayings so today we are talking about. Not really anything important, just lots of fun stuff. Um, sometimes we've had very brainy topics on this show. Sometimes we've had all brainy topics in one episode. This time we basically have zero brainy topics. So if today all you need to do is relax, have fun, and get some laughs as well as some random facts, you've come to the right place. You're guaranteeing you laughs? I'm guaranteeing laughs. Oh, boy. Hopefully they've already had some at this Those point. Those are some big shoes to fill, I Maybe feel. not like laughs. Not like belly laughs like oh 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 right because oh. you're listening to this podcast probably by yourself you probably won't laugh happen. like santa does but you might give some like, like little <laughs> nose blows oh that's so accurate <laughs> yeah you will slightly you will exhale slightly faster With, out like, of your nose a forceful rhythm like. <laughs> yeah okay let's get into it so first thing i want to talk about is the uh, art, I guess, of circumnavigating the globe. Okay. This isn't so cool anymore because you can just get on a plane and do it for like a thousand dollars and you can go anywhere in the world. More than that, I feel. To get around the whole globe? I don't know. I mean... Maybe if you went to like Yemen and then right. like... Book a round trip ticket. Right. That The return went the other way. Right, but I'm saying go to places that are like borderline dangerous right. or illegal to go to right yes. now like it's it's more expensive obviously to like fly to paris than it is to go to i don't know syria syria <laughs> right yeah. now yeah if you can fly into you might like not be able to you probably can i don't know probably i'm speaking out of school but my point is it's more expensive to go to places that everyone wants to go to yes. so if you were going to circumnavigate the globe just to say you did yes and not actually like to see sites and stuff you know, see what other airports are available and not just like the big fancy expensive yeah. ones. Right. I lost my train of thought. Oh, circumnavigating the globe. Okay. Yes. It is, <laughs> it is a, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was bad. It is a more doable feat today is what I was trying to say. Basically any, then, then what? Then like 200 years back ago? in the day. Well, yeah. Um, any random person who has a little bit of money can do it. But some of these people we're going to talk about today weren't content with just getting on a plane like some plebeian. They wanted <laughs> to like break records and test the limits of human endurance. Um, so we're going to get into some just interesting and weird ways people have circumnavigated the globe. Um, All right. We'll start off with some like more normal ones. Okay. So um, it's debated. But theoretically, according to some history books, Magellan was the first person to circumnavigate the globe. That's now a kind of mm, statement that's not entirely true for some people. Wait, I don't think I even knew that in our like alternate version of history. So Magellan went like from where? Where did he leave from? Yeah, so technically Magellan actually didn't make it. But yeah. some of his people, his men, made it around the world. Uh, world. Um, 18 out of 270 of them made it back alive. Where, he, like, left from what? Western Europe? Uh, Spain, I think. Okay. Um, there's a map. Let's see. 
Yeah, so he left from Spain and then came back to Spain. So he would have had to go around South America. What's that? The Cape of... The Horn of... No. The Cape of Good Hope? Yeah, Cape of Good Hope in Africa. No. Well, and then, yeah, eventually. Yeah. But I was thinking of the one in South America. I forget what that one's called. Anyway, down around South America, yep. like... Across the Pacific Ocean. Through Oceania somewhere. Yeah. And then down around the Cape of Good Hope underneath Africa and then back up to Spain. Correct. <laughs> yeah, right. And it looks like he died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somewhere in like Oceania. It's, it's hard to tell exactly where. But basically, yeah, he left from Spain, went down along the coast of Africa, crossed the Atlantic Ocean, down along mm. the east coast of South America around the horn of that um, came back up and kind of went north, mostly west across the Pacific ocean ending up kind of just south of Japan and then kind of came back down south. So kind of over the top of like Indonesia and stuff like that Okay, died. And then the rest of his guys went across the Indian ocean down to the Cape of good hope in Africa and came back up. Oh, so, so they just turned around and went back. No, they went all the way around. To the New World? To, like, the Americas? No, they didn't go to the Americas. They just went around the globe. Uh, I don't, that doesn't count. Yeah, it does. They went all the way around the world. They went halfway around the world and then turn around. They didn't turn around. Yeah, they, they did. Went, no, they went down Africa until they got to, like, the bulby part of Africa. Then they crossed the Atlantic Ocean to South America. Went around South America, across the Pacific Ocean to Japan down through like all of the islands oh so and they went the down Ocean. around south america first yes i see yeah they were going east i see yes i thought they went under africa first no they went under africa last i see can you imagine like leaving with 270 people and then by the time you get that back there's like 18 of you you've probably had to like leave tons of ships behind and you've all consolidated under one ship <laughs> and you're yeah. like hoping that no one else dies to the point where you can't sail the ship anymore <laughs> That just seems like a waste of resources. Like, just what was a the point bit. of this? Um, exploring. Just to say that Spain's the greatest? I don't know. I don't understand a lot of the reasons they did stuff back in the day, but I'm glad they did. Cause now I we don't understand a lot of the reasons we do stuff now. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, we got to move faster than this. Yeah, we got to be funnier <laughs> than this. We can't get stuck <laughs> on one topic. Okay, so that's kind of the original, what they taught you in history. Now, technically... I think to be inclusive and not ethnocentric, people from the Pacific Islands were the first people to go around the world, is what they're assuming. But we're not going to get into things like that now. We're going to talk about the first submarine to go around the world underwater. It was called the USS Triton, and it went around the world in 1960 from 24th of February 1960 to the 25th of April 1960. Was this a government ship yes hmm. a navy ship okay um the goal of the trip was to test radar equipment around the world yes and this uh submarine was made obsolete after two years because of a different development in radar so <laughs> It was kind of a waste of time. So they spent like <laughs> months going around the world yes. to test the radar. Yes. And then a couple, like l two years later, they were like, by the way, everything that you did <laughs> it was a waste kind of, of a waste of time. Do we need to do this again? Do we need Pretty to go around much. the world again to test this new radar? What if we did this every time we came up with a new technological <laughs> advancement? Around the world like, it. does this work in India though? Let's let's go around the whole world and test this new technology. I guess it was made obsolete because originally the goal was it was going to be kind of like a uh, like mm, scout, like a radar scout, and so it was going to kind of be something they could send long distances and kind of radar out things in front of them but then they just they realized they can also put radar on airplanes and so when hmm. they realized that they're like airplanes are way faster because this submarine can only go 27 knots and so it's really slow <laughs> can you imagine going around the world going like 30 miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> that would suck that would suck a lot oh man plus you like going the ocean route is pretty slow yeah. like there's a lot of uh you have to go out of your way a lot. Yes. You can't just like, as the crow flies it. Right. Like airplanes go pretty efficiently over like, let's say Africa. Yeah. 
But to go, to sail around Africa, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. And I don't know, like, you might not have seen the videos yet, the Smarter Everyday, like, nuclear submarine videos that we had talked about a little while ago. Mm-mm. But, like, it's a, like, super fancy modern submarine, and it's still claustrophobic and would not be nice to live on. So I can't imagine a submarine in, like, the 60s, what that would be like to live on for three months. Terrible. Okay, let's go to some other ones. Um first trip by airplanes ever was uh, a douglas aircraft from the u.s army in 1924 what's with the u.s doing all these in my opinion frivolous experiments because we're the best and we need to prove it apparently (laughs) right um the i forgot that we were the best yeah no one's told me that in like three days you gotta remember that um so this was actually done by the united states army air service which was the Air Force before it was called the Air Force. What was it um, called? United States Army Air Service hmm. in 24, um, which ironically is almost the year. Uh, um, it was four Douglas DT, DT-2 torpedo bombers. They were biplanes, and these were specifically modified to carry more fuel. They went from a 115-gallon tank to a 644-gallon tank. Wow. And each plane carried a crew of two men. Because um, the rest of the plane was just carrying just gas. Fuel. Yeah, it's basically like <laughs> flying a gas tank. <laughs> That's scary. Um, don't want to crash into a mountain with that thing. No, you do not. <laughs> um, it looks like the flight took 175 days. To be fair, you don't want to crash into a mountain with any no. plane. <laughs> that usually doesn't end well. Um, the flight also included five engine changes and two wing changes for each airplane. Yeah, they changed the engine five, five times. times. Yeah. And only two of them made it back. <laughs> Out of so how ha- many? Four. So half of them didn't make it. Because they died or because well, the plane just crapped no, the planes, out? I think the planes died. It looks like the one of the original planes went down over the ocean, but then the crew was rescued and they got to fly in a replacement plane the rest of the way. So only two of the original planes made it. So they used like five planes and 30 engines <laughs> pretty much to just do it to test this yeah but they made it <laughs> kind of oh that's um, so dumb the first non-stop by airplanes was in 1949 by a boeing b-50 bomber took off from fort worth texas um it made its flight around the world in 94 hours that's a long time to be on a non-stop? plane non-stop non-stop that's possible well, they had to do four air-to-air refuels. Oh. So all of these are like, like technically, they, flow a, they flew a plane around the world in 1924, but it was really five different planes. They just <laughs> rebuilt every time they landed. Right. It's like, uh, a, what is the, it? A, a ship the, of thesis? The, the, the ship, plane of the thesis. plane of thesis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, there's some other kind of vehicular ones that are boring we're gonna skip them because they're too too normal we need weirder ones okay i'm gonna tell you about robert garside tell me about robert garside in 1997 he decided i'm gonna start running east and running running east and then he didn't stop until he got back to new delhi where he started (laughs) so he's known as the running man he left in 1997 from new delhi india and spent the following five and a half years running an average of 40 miles per day around the world. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he survived this? Yeah. Five years of running 40 miles a day. And he How ran did he get across oceans? I mean, there's if you kind of go on the right path, there's only like short ferry trips you need to take. So technically, he didn't... I mean, unless he was like What do you mean the right path? Place. What about the Atlantic Ocean? Well, you can go... That's what I would consider short. (laughs) If you end up in North Europe, it's a short-ish ferry ride to Greenland. To to Greenland? Yeah. (laughs) And then to Canada? Yeah, Iceland, then Canada, then across Canada, into Alaska, into Russia, and then... I can understand uh, Alaska to Russia, but the Atlantic Ocean, that's not a short ferry ride. I think it's a couple hundred miles on that path, which... Okay, technically... Is, was he, like, jogging in place on maybe. the boat? I mean, if I was him, I would, because otherwise it's technically not going around the world. Right. I would run the whole time I was on the boat. But whatever. He he ran around the world minus maybe 400 miles. We have to give him something. That's still... Plus, he did, like, a lot of... He went out of his way a lot yeah. to, like, go from India up to, right. like, 
uh, England. That's what it's called. And then up from like northern Russia down to uh, India yeah. again. Imagine so, how many millions of calories you'd have to eat to fuel yourself to run like 20,000 miles. Like people who run the Appalachian Trail, which is like uh, 2,000 miles or something like that, go through like eight pairs of shoes yeah. <laughs> just on that part of one country. Right. So he, if he did it like how modern Americans do it, which he might be didn't, he would have had to go through like dozens of pairs of shoes. Yeah. That's imagine crazy. his calves. <laughs> how imagine, long did it take him? Six years. Holy crap. Yeah, that's a lot of running. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm not a fan of that. I would not do that. <laughs> okay. Crazy man, the running man. He's an inspiration. Yeah. Okay. Next he deserves up, the term the running yeah, man. Yeah, he is the he probably ran the most out of any human in the world. Probably. Thousands I'm, and thousands of miles. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. Um the second craziest way of going on the world is thomas stevens in 1884 he rode around the world on a penny farthing really yeah those aren't even like fast or efficient apparently he worked on the railroad in wyoming and then as a miner in colorado he's from britain great britain he decided then that all of that westerny stuff was too boring (laughs) compared to like (laughs) country life in england yeah and so lame so he uh decided to Buy a penny farthing and ride around the world. (laughs) It says, most of the hillier parts of the journey, he was forced to walk the bike, but that didn't stop him from doing his goal. Technically... Where did he start? uh, It doesn't say where he started. And when was this? What year? 1884. That's like like prime penny farthing time. (laughs) So it's not out of the ordinary to see a penny farthing. For those of you who don't know, penny farthings are those bikes that have like a six foot wheel in the front and like a little tiny wheel in the back. Yeah. Imagine how many wheels he went through going around the world. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. He had to like stop in towns all across yeah. the world and have a replacement penny farthing wheel. Yeah. It took him two years, so it's definitely more efficient than running, I guess. Yeah, I believe that he probably like skipped whole sections. He probably like took a boat across like the Pacific Ocean, if we're honest. Yeah. With his penny farthing. He probably went to like the most western part of Asia. Yeah. I mean, uh, Europe. Yeah. And was like, I'm just going to sail across the right. Atlantic Ocean yeah. to the most eastern part of the Americas I can get to. I'm going to go to like the Panama Canal. Right. And then bike across the Panama, uh, bike across Panama. Right. And then take another boat. <laughs> That's what I would do if yeah. it was like the 1890s and so, no one cared about anything. Right. So technically he rode across all of the land and the world. <laughs> right. It's kind of all you can ask for for a lot of these things. It's not like you're going right. to ride your bike on the ocean. Um, we need to b- just build a bridge across all of the ocean so these things can truly be possible. Yeah, that's that's a real moral enormous story. waste of resources, but just you know for these stories. Yeah. Okay, here's a guy named Jason Lewis who, in 1994, um, <laughs> over the course of 13 years, became the first person to circumnavigate the globe using only human power. So this guy did not take like a chip or a plane, or anything like that. Um, it says he mountain biked through Europe, rollerbladed across North America, what? and paddle, paddled a wooden boat across the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. That sounds... That's the most dangerous thing I've ever heard. It took him 13 years to complete that feat. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. He paddled a boat across the pacific ocean yes the pacific ocean is like half of the globe yes he paddled a boat across <laughs> it <laughs> i showed you a couple of weeks ago how you can look on google earth and basically and just old, look at ocean yeah that's how big the pacific ocean is yeah that's crazy so jason lewis is a beast can't imagine that seems stressful to me okay how is he alive i don't know i mean it's it, it could be loosely like maybe it's a boat that like gets pushed by the wind but he's also just like paddling it but really yeah. the wind's pushing it too. and it's like 70 feet yeah large. it's a big boat so technically he's got a paddle in the water even though it's not doing crap um okay <laughs> 2002 steve fawcett he had made a fortune professionally in the financial services industry but his passion was always for exploration and adventure okay um apparently he has at this point in 2002 set 116 world records throughout his life. That's a lot. But his most known feat 
is a solo trip around the world in a 10-story high hot air balloon. I was wondering if someone was going to do it in a hot air yep. balloon. Did he Steve do it in 80 Fawcett. days? Uh, there's a link. Let me click on it and go find out. Man. He has a website. It's not as cool as the Wizards website from last week. But. <laughs> well, I, I need to know if he did it in a suit and... Uh, I don't remember anything else about that movie. You know what I'm yeah. referring to? Yeah, movie around the world to, yeah. in 80 days. Is, wasn't there like a remake? Was there two versions of there that movie? There have been a couple, I think. I remember watching that on the Disney Channel growing up, and I was like, wow, this is a pretty fascinating movie concept. He did it in 13 and a half days, so it was much faster than 80 wow. days. It's a big balloon, though. 10 stories tall? 10 stories That's tall. That's a lot of hot air. That's a lot of hot air. Imagine he, the gas you'd need for that. Was he by himself? Solo. Wow. Yeah. So he like slept and just let the wind carry him? I like just had an anxiety attack thinking about (laughs) sleeping in a balloon over the ocean by yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine how quickly the winds can change and you're just like... Missing. You're just like, yeah. You're just sleeping above the ocean in a hot air balloon. A balloon that's only held up by heat. And then, (laughs) boom, the winds change and you're just... You just slam into the ocean water right. and you're gone forever. Yeah. There's people who like have a special something in them. They got like a special sauce. No, I think they're missing a special sauce <laughs> that's like logical fear. <laughs> the like the logic center of the brain is not developed. <laughs> right. Um, or like got removed somehow. Or yeah, I don't know. Cause that I mean, it's logical to be afraid of being by yourself in a under-functioning vehicle above the ocean, right? That's yeah. a logical thing to be afraid of. Unfortunately, I just read a little farther while you were talking. He tried to do another feat where he took a some sort of aircraft over the Sierra Nevadas in 2007, didn't take a locator beacon or a parachute and disappeared and then was declared dead in October of 2008. So... Apparently, the whole like logical brain not developing. Mm, I wish you would have read that before we made all those jokes. Whoops. Sorry, Steve. Sorry, Steve. (laughs) They found human remains at a crash site in the mountains. Uh, Well, bummer. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) This is getting sad. (laughs) Always take a locator beacon. Yes. Be safe. And a parachute if you're going to be in the air. (laughs) In a plane or a hot air balloon. Okay. um, There's also a man named Dumitru Dan. In 1910, cool name. Who is a Romanian geographer? Ge- geographer. Um, he walked around the world. He <laughs> <laughs> just like taking a leisurely stroll yeah. and kept going. Yeah. Um, he went around the world with two of his friends. He were trying to get a, a prize of a hundred thousand francs from the touring club de France, but he was the only one who survived the trip. One, both of his friends uh, died around uh, on this journey. One of them died by falling. It doesn't say how, just falling. And then the other one died from opium poisoning. So, oh, yeah, that's not what little, I thought you were going to say. That's a little rough. Um, one of these things does not have to do with walking around the world. <laughs> yeah. But it took them 16 years. It took him 16 years. And he like got back to France and they were like, oh, right. we kind of forgot we about forgot that. About you. <laughs> I guess here's your money. I guess so. Here's your 100,000 francs. I don't feel like that's enough money to spend 16 years of my life walking and uh, losing both my friends. What year was this in? 1910. Well, that could have been worth some money. I mean, I don't know how much a franc is now, so it could be worth a lot of money. But apparently he thought he would have finished sooner, but he had to delay because World War One happened. And I guess he fought in that. <laughs> he stopped to fight a war in the middle yeah. of this? <laughs> wow. This guy. That's so interesting. He's hardcore. Um, let's see. To, to answer your question, 100,000 francs now is like 108,000 US dollars. No, that is not worth it. <laughs> That'd be like... But getting... that's now. In 1910, right. I don't know. It was probably a lot Do more. Do the inflation. Yeah. A lot. Um, okay. This guy I've actually heard of. Um, his name's Arthur Blessett. 
and he had made it his life goal to carry a homemade wooden cross through every country in the world. I think so, heard, I mean, there's several people who've yeah. done something like this, but so this guy is the OG, I think, and he actually has completed it. Um, every country in the world, every country in the world. So he's a Christian preacher. His goal was to carry this homemade wooden cross through every country in the world while he prayed for peace in all the countries. Um, that's a, a bummer that he's already finished that. Well, I think it looks like he's still going. He technically crossed off the last country in 2008. Um, he started in 1969. Oh, well that's the problem because South Sudan became a new country in True. 2009. Apparently in 2008, he had done every country walked 41,000 miles, but he decided he's just going to keep doing it until he dies. So assuming he's still alive, he is still doing this. Well, there's a, there's a problem in that different organizations like recognize sure. different le- amounts of countries. Yeah. So he has to walk through like lots of extra countries that aren't globally recognized. Right. Like there's parts of some countries that have like declared independence, but yep. aren't formally recognized and stuff like that. So he really should just walk through all contested parts of all countries. Right. Which is like most every country has some sort of contested <laughs> right. part. Just do it all again. Another 40,000 miles. Probably a lot more than that. Probably. Because there's like a lot of perimeter parts yeah. to a lot of countries. Yeah. Dang. Well, Arthur, bless it. You got your work cut out you for gotta you. You got to do it or else there won't be peace. Imagine, it's up to you, Arthur. I can't even imagine what your bones would feel like after walking 41,000 miles. I've Especially probably since walked, you're carrying a 50-pound cross or whatever yeah. it is. I've probably walked less than 1,000 miles in my whole life. Uh, you'd probably be surprised. I might be. I don't know. I wish I would have had an Apple Watch put on me at birth so I could tell, but not the case. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised because I'm pretty sure that I've ran over a thousand miles. Wow. Just like since I started tracking my runs in college. I wish I knew now. I'll just have to. I'm pretty sure th- <laughs> this might be blasphemous, <laughs> but I hope there's like stats in heaven. <laughs> like like the leaderboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the running man will be like number one forever yeah. of like number of steps taken. Right. <laughs> oh man. I bet there will be. That seems legit. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay. God, uh, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm sure he listens to He's the podcast. a fan of the podcast. Um, should we put that in our description? Probably. God listens to this yeah. podcast. You probably should, You too. should send it to all your friends. <laughs> um, okay, next up. Uh, a lady named Nellie Bly decided to recreate Around the World in 80 Days. Oh, well, um, there you go. Yeah. 1889, she was inspired by Phileas Fogg's trip in the famed Jules Verne novel. Mm-hmm. And so she was a newspaper writer, and she convinced her editors to let her try it for real. So she left from New York by herself solo and traveled all the way around the world by a steamship and a rail and trains um, and set a world record by returning in just 72 days. It's so interesting to me that back then it was like contested on whether or not you could do that in 80 days. Right. But if you think about the, like how, how much less they knew about, travel in other countries yeah like we know we could google how to get from western russia to eastern russia now but they have probably didn't really know until you just showed up and got there and you're like i need to get from where i am to moscow right how How can i do that that? totally also i don't speak russian right yeah it would have been way more difficult back then and everything was slower too yeah can you imagine like that's Two and a half months of traveling. Yeah. That it sounds brutal to me. That's tough. Like just 24 hours of travel makes me like feel like I'm trash. <laughs> yeah. So I can't imagine. Okay. Um, number 10 on this list. In a car. This is going to be brutal to say. They're German. Um, Klarnor Steens and Carl Axel's Solderstorm. Those are okay. cool names. Um, were... Well, one of them was a German race car driver, and the other one was a Swedish cinematographer. Um, they were the first ever to travel around the world by a car uh, in 1927. They drove 27,000 miles. Um, they start, started in Berlin, Germany, and they went through Siberia, then the Gobi Desert, Japan, and made their way to South America via ferry. Then they went back to Europe, and no, no, no. 
before they went back to Europe, they went through Vancouver and the United States. So they just kind of drove around. That's cool. That'd be fun. I could see you and I doing that someday. When we were like retired, like, hey, you want to drive around the world? And then we do it. It's Isn't there a show there where they do that? They like go from South America to like Alaska. Probably on like the transcontinental uh, highway. Yeah. On, and they're on motorcycles and it's someone famous. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Because we had talked about that at one point. Yeah. I forget what show it is, but it's someone that you've heard of. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. Um, apparently the last reigning monarch from the kingdom of Hawaii named Kalakaua embarked on around the world uh, trip in 1881 while on the throne in order to study matters of immigration and to improve foreign relations. Hmm. Um, along his journey, he met lots of heads of state, including both the Pope and Queen Victoria. That's cool. I, it's crazy to me that like Hawaii was its own kingdom for a while. For pretty much all forever. Right. Until like. Until we decided we wanted it. <laughs> and then we took it. America. Yeah. <laughs> We're great. We're number one. Okay. Instead of talking about that, let's talk about Dick Smith, who <laughs> flew around the world in a helicopter uh, in 1982. He's an Australian entrepreneur who also has a thing for helicopters. Um, he started in Dallas, Texas, and it says his journey was fraught with peril. Well, helicopters aren't the safest vehicle. The worst part was apparently someone decided to shoot at him when he was over Alaska. Um, because I guess in Alaska, it, when you live in the middle of nowhere and you see a helicopter, you just shoot it down. So he got shot at a <laughs> bunch in Alaska. Um, he also got refused entry from Russia when he was low on fuel and he needed gas. And they're just like, no. Suck so it up. So what did he do? I don't know. I mean... It's not like you can pop over to a nearby country. Yeah, your choices are die or <laughs> land in Russia and maybe die. <laughs> so I'm assuming he landed in Russia. But there's just like... This is one of those guys. He's just got special sauce. He's like a successful entrepreneur. And he's like, you know, the business world doesn't satisfy me. I need to get into helicopters. I need a higher adrenaline rush yeah. than being able to lose all my money in a business right. deal. So I'm going to fly my helicopter over Russia and I'm going to get shot at by crazy Alaskans. see what happens. Man, that's crazy. Okay. Apparently, there's a guy named Marvin Creamer who in 1982, when he was 66 years old, um, took off in a 36-foot boat with no compass, watch, sextant, or GPS. He just... On purpose? On purpose. Like just to see if his just to see if innate he could do navigation it. could lead him the right way? Yep. So he just used the sun and the stars to navigate around the world. You know, that seems like a fine retirement plan. You're 66. You might as well just either be amazing or die at sea. <laughs> I think you're overestimating how little uh, you will have to be responsible for when you're retired. Probably. Like you'll have... A family still. Marvin Creamer might not have. Maybe not, but he had something though. He had a thirty-six foot boat <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. a crew that went with him. Oh, so there <laughs> were other people who were like putting their lives in his hands. Yes. Wow, it <laughs> seems irresponsible. Yeah, shame on you, Marvin Creamer. He did it though. Apparently, so it took he, eighteen months. Eighteen months. Yeah, I wonder how much of that they were just like going <laughs> in circles. Yeah. Like, oh, we I'm were pretty just sure at that's the island. North Star. It's it's very bright. <laughs> They were going east the whole time. That's Mars. Okay, apparently, this guy named Graf Zeppelin. Did he go in a Zeppelin? Went around the world in a Zeppelin. <laughs> really? In 1929. Did he invent the Zeppelin? I don't know. That would make sense, I guess. That seems like a time when the Zeppelin would be invented. To, like, prove how great it is? Yeah. Um... This was eight years before Hindenburg, so he was like trying to drum up publicity for the Zeppelin. So it sounds like he made it. Okay. Um, it took 21 days, five hours, and 31 minutes. And at that point, that was the fastest circumnavigation of the globe. 12 days, you said? 21 days. Oh. In 1929. Okay. Last one, and then we're going to be done with this topic. Um, the first human to travel, circumnavigate the globe... 
in space was Yuri Gangarin, and I think I'm okay with saying this was the fastest circumnavigation of the globe because it was like mm, 110 minutes or something like that. Yeah, this was this. He is the first person in space, right? Yeah, yeah. he's like the first cosmonaut or whatever. Correct. So he was not only the first person in space, but also the first person to orbit, yeah, fully the Earth, which is crazy. So in because that was in 1961, and in you know 1861, it was unheard of to go around the world in 80 days. So hmm. think of that in 100 years, we went from 80 day trip to two hour trip around the world. That's just astounding. That is pretty amazing. And on that note, we're going to conclude circumnavigating the globe. Fun facts. Bum, bum. Give it up. <laughs> Applaud wherever you are right yeah. now, out loud. In Starbucks. Okay, let's move on to our next topic. Um, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving traditions because on, to, on today, when this episode comes out, it is uh, not Thanksgiving. It's the 13th of November. Well, when it comes out, it's going to be the 17th oh. of November. Yeah. But that's also not even close to Thanksgiving. And there's going to be more episodes before Thanksgiving. So this is a weirdly placed topic, but we're still going to talk about it because I thought it'd be fun. It's for people to prepare. I mean, yeah. you don't want it to come out like the day before Thanksgiving sure. and then they don't have time to prepare for totally. new and interesting Thanksgiving yeah. traditions. And we're going to give you some good traditions here too. Yeah, you want to get these um, things started in your family right now. Yeah, these are like intense and these are they're crazy and they're wacky and they're fun. And I think we should all do these. So yeah. let's just dive into it. Okay. Um, gobble, gobble. First up, turkey bowling. So the some grocery stores actually do this. Do the turkeys bowl or do you bowl you for You bowl turkeys? with a turkey. Oh. So you take a turkey. Frozen. and A frozen turkey. And they set up, uh, typically you'd set up like soda bottles or water bottles. Some grocery stores actually set up actual bowling pins. And you can go do this at a grocery store down like an aisle. But you just take a frozen turkey and you roll it at some bottles. In order to... Bowl. But if you like strike out, do you like get 20% off your turkey or something? Oh, I don't know. Um, it says it started in 1988 at Lucky's Grocery Store in Newport Beach. And is this to like get people in the store? Yeah, it's like an event. Um, I'm more seeing this as like something we would do at home. I'm trying to adapt them all to a home. Oh, person. I so, see. Yeah. So you can set up soda bottles and roll so a turkey. So you spend like $50 on a turkey. Man, turkeys are not that expensive. You can get like the generic brand turkey for like 89 cents a pound. And if you just get like a 14 pound turkey, because that's the regulation weight of a bowling ball, it's like $13. <laughs> of course you would know that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I can see myself, I, I can see well the like good expensive turkey is cooking. Also having bought a cheap turkey to like roll around and play with. <laughs> that sounds fun to me. Hey, your kids, have some raw poultry <laughs> to play with. It's fun. Go throw it against the ground a bunch of times. <laughs> Go spread this raw poultry all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so not your cup of tea. That's fine. How about a turducken? Oh, I, uh, I know what this is. I think, wait, turducken. In is the in chicken? Yes. So it's turduck in. Yes. Okay. N. Explain the order of operations sure. here. So you take a chicken and you debone it, and then you shove it in the butt cavity of a duck, which is also deboned, and then you take that whole meaty pile <laughs> and you shove it into the butt cavity of a turkey. <laughs> that whole meaty. <laughs> pile <laughs> that's the only way to explain that yeah. situation so really it's like and technically if you're doing it right the turkey has also been deboned so you don't have to worry about bones so you can just take like a knife and slice through the whole thing and then just get like a slice of oh, media oh. pile <laughs> i would try i would try this at least once i've heard stories about this like since i was two like everyone I, yeah, always this brings is up like a weird turducken. american thing but I've never seen one or tried one or even been close to one. So I, I, would, I would try it once. I feel like it would be difficult and dangerous to cook safely. You can't really debone a whole bird, though. Like, if you think about, like, a piece of breast right. meat. Yeah, there's, like, the rib cage. There's, and... like, a whole... Yeah, there's, like, a whole skeleton. You can't just... It's not like deboning a fish where right. you just cut off the filet. right. And I mean, I guess there is, there's the, there's the like breast of that, but you can't just like that. You just end up with like little pieces of meat. Right. 
I don't understand how this works. I don't either. Really? I think the only way to do it would be to try it. And then we'd know. But then you're just stuffing like little bits of meat inside. Inside what? Because the the duck is also deboned. So that's also just pieces of meat. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that works. I mean, I can't see myself fitting a chicken inside a duck's butt. No. <laughs> that seems like it wouldn't fit. So. I also think I would need to like ask for forgiveness before <laughs> attempting that. <laughs> yeah, it seems bad. Interestingly enough, another weird animal thing. Did you know that when mad cow disease was spreading, it was because they fed um, cow parts to cows? No, I did not know that. That seems like the same person who invented the turducken. Yeah. They're like, let's feed dead cows to living cows and also stuff this chicken inside a duck inside a turkey. They're kind of like the same level of wrong, like crimes against nature. But I, I want to try I want to try the turducken. We should try it sometime. Mm. I'll try it. It's okay. And then I'll let you know what the experience I is would, like. I would eat it, but I don't know that I would prepare it. Sure. It would be a... a I'd probably scarring process. I'd probably watch a YouTube video of someone preparing it, though. Yeah, we could do that. We could probably do that now. Okay, let's keep going. Um, apparently, a lot of people substitute turkey for crab and eat crab instead Ooh. of turkey. I was just craving crab yesterday. Really? Yeah, I was thinking it's been a long time since I had some crab. Huh. Is that crab with a C or crab with a K? Uh, who eats crab with a K? A lot of people at like yeah at like hot. buffet. <laughs> I like a buffet, but do people like intentionally buy crab with a K? I don't know. Maybe for like a casserole with a K. <laughs> yeah, but like if you're going to just like eat crab legs, yeah. you get you, you know, get crab. I don't know if I've ever had real crab. I might have only ever had crab with Come a K. Come on. I don't know. I don't go to seafood restaurants that often. And when you I do, never just like I get cracked open chowder. a crab leg? I don't think so. What? <laughs> You are missing out, I, my friend. I don't even know where I get good crab in this landlocked state of ours. I mean, in uh, my my personal opinion, yeah, is that like king crab legs, yeah, are uh, w- what's most popular, or snow crab legs, yeah, both come from like Alaska, okay, and they're flash frozen, sure, to kill any parasites, okay. Anyway, that's what's regulated by our country, yeah. So. Regardless of if you live in Alaska or if you live in Maine or if you live in Florida or Colorado. They're all the same. It's all frozen and then rethawed. Okay. So So then is it raw or do you is it like cooked? You buy it raw and then you need to steam it. Steam, so it's like blanched kind of. Yeah, but steaming is like the traditional preparation. Sure. You could like open it and then cut it up and like put it in a soup. Yeah. Or s- fry it or whatever you do with meat. Yeah. But steaming is the and traditional preparation i do love seafood it's one of my favorite foods probably i can't so. believe you love seafood and you've never had crab i just always like anytime i've been to because i don't think i've been to a seafood restaurant in this state i've always gone to a seafood restaurant when i'm in like a coastal area sure. like on vacation or when we got seafood when we were in sydney but i always just get like lobster or like a clam chowder or like um, I love like calamari or squid or mm-hmm. like, things like that. So I just never thought of you would crab. Like, you would like crab. Okay. I'll it's not too crab. different from lobster. Okay. Well, sounds like we need to find a seafood restaurant then too. We've got yeah. a lot of things to do. <laughs> okay. Um, everyone knows of the turkey trot. At least I hope so. To me, I have a, I have a problem with the turkey trot because the last thing I want to do on the day that I'm supposed to be thankful is wake up early in the morning and go run. Well, a lot of turkey trots are fundraisers. Yeah. And they like the one here in town raises money for I think the pulmonary yeah. like uh ward of the hospital. Yeah. I don't think that's the right term, but you know what I'm saying? It's like heart health. Like the cardiovascular center yes. or whatever. Um so that makes sense to me to like get out and do cardio exercise sure. to raise awareness and money for like cardiovascular health. Yeah, I can see that. I just also since you're gonna like stuff yourself full right, of starch. Right, well get some <laughs> the later that in. day. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I've got one more here, real quick. Um, well, let's do two more. Um, one tradition that my family actually did for a while was you eat dinner and then you all go on a walk mm-hmm. so that you can jiggle all your belly food into a more compact pile so that you can then eat dessert. 
Yeah. Um, I think we've done maybe not that so intentionally. Like, right. all right, now we have to go on a walk. Right. But I think that's just like happened in our family too. Because do you eat dinner at like in the middle of the afternoon? Um, typically, for Thanksgiving? Typically, when we've done this tradition, we eat dinner at like five. Oh, okay. And then go on a walk when it's like dark out. And then we come back and eat dessert at like seven. But we're, I think. Because Emily and I are talking about, we'll probably go to family and do that kind of stuff too. But we're also talking about doing our own kind of stuff this year. Mm. And I've always loved eating holiday dinners at like 2 p.m. That seems like the time when you're supposed to eat them. Not like, not noon or five, like not normal meal times. You have to wait until you're like super hungry, but it's still lunch. Hmm. That's my opinion on holiday dinners. I I guess that's not really how I viewed it was like a really hungry lunch. I don't know why, and I don't necessarily like. I I don't agree with this perspective. I don't understand it. But yeah, holiday di- holiday meals have always been like in the middle of the afternoon, yep. like four o'clock. Yeah, and it's annoying to me really? because I am not the kind of person who can totally stuff myself. Right. Like even if I eat the biggest Thanksgiving meal I've ever had at four o'clock, yeah, I'll still need some food at. 8.30. Which is why one or two o'clock for a huge lunch and then come six or seven, you're hungry again and you have leftover turkey sandwiches. Yeah. That's I the- mean, <laughs> we'll be eating leftovers for like five days, yeah. but it is like kind of fun to just like, oh, you go to the fridge and like, cra- yeah, and crack it open. Make one of those Get you some sandwiches. Slices. Yeah. Especially because like all of the stuff that you have for sandwiches is leftover. Like you've got rolls, Mm-hmm. You know, you've got like stuffing. It's just begging to be a sandwich. Uh huh. It really is. Yeah. The cranberry sauce is good on a sandwich. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I, and you like even put I put like casseroles on a yeah, sandwich. Totally. I want Thanksgiving now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's soon. We're close. We're man. getting there. We're getting there. We're close. We're hanging in there. Okay. Um, this was one that I thought was interesting. So, Black Friday has always been like a Thanksgiving tradition, I guess, and it used to be. Uh, yeah, I guess. It used to be that, like, when I first remember Black Friday, we'd have our Thanksgiving dinner together, and then we'd have, um, you know, dessert. We'd hang out. We'd watch football. We'd just, like, veg around, you know, lazy, lie on the couch. And then a lot of times we'd, like, sleep over at my like grandparents' house. Where you were having Thanksgiving. Right, where we'd have Thanksgiving. So we'd all be over there. We'd all just stay there, like, late in the evening watching football, fall asleep on the couch. And then my mom and her sister and like everybody who's interested in shopping would then get up at like 3 a.m. together and like get ready and then go shopping and shop for the morning. And then, you know, as Black Friday like encroached on sacred holidays, it started being instead of <laughs> instead of uh, like sleeping over and waking up the next morning, it was just staying up late and then they'd leave late. Mm-hmm. And then it became in the evening they'd go and then it became hurry and finish dinner so we can go shopping and wait in line or whatever. So Black Friday began encroaching. And so this year there's actually something different kind of going on. I've noticed that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen the like anti-work subreddit, but it's like one of the top subreddits now. It's grown super fast. And the the idea of the subreddit is like just helping and encouraging people to like not be reliant on like work and consumeristic culture and like not having to slave away to be able to buy things until you die. Um, And so one of the things that they're kind of organizing this year is like buy nothing day. And the goal is to have people, the the goal is to have retail workers who are working retail strike on Black Friday and not go to work. And they're also encouraging people who don't work retail, but want to like help out to just literally buy nothing on Black Friday. No, don't go out and buy groceries. Just literally don't spend any money on anything on Black Friday. Wow. And I, I'm kind of interested in that. Like, I think I'll do it. It's, yeah. Like, it's... I There's a lot of days I buy nothing. Right. Like, the majority of them. Right. So it's, so if it's you, easy. If you plan it yeah. accordingly, yeah, it's not that difficult. Yeah, and I think the goal with this is to incentivize retailers to realize they shouldn't be open on holidays. Well, um, do you see Black Friday as a holiday? Like, I have to work on Friday. No, I don't see Black Friday as a holiday, but I think that's the goal. And so a lot of it, like, most people are extending this to both Thanksgiving and Black Friday. So they're saying, like, if you forgot to get cranberry sauce on Thanksgiving, sucks. Don't go to the store and buy it because then you're incentivizing stores to be open 
on a on holiday. Thanksgiving. So they're hoping to make stores lose so much money by paying holiday pay and having no sales that they'll just close down and mm. let retailers, like retail workers, spend holidays with their family. So I can get on board with that. Like, So this would be on Thursday and Friday. Correct. Thanksgiving and yeah, the day after don't, Thanksgiving. Yeah, don't buy anything. Don't like feed into that time. And it is interesting because I've seen, I've been to the store a lot on like smaller holidays, like 4th of July or whatever. And it used to be that stores would be closed and the stores started staying open. And it's because people forget things like last minute, you know, a lot of times or like they don't have anything else to do. And so they go shopping. And it's interesting because people, I've heard tons of people say this at like the checkout. They're like, I can't believe you guys are like, you have to be open. Like that sucks. It sucks. You guys have to be here. But they're directly causing that problem by shopping at the store. Yeah. So I'm keen to like not be a part of that and to kind of help end that and like let these poor retail workers have a day off like once every three months. <laughs> like you can close for one day. <laughs> yeah. So that's the that's the final tradition that we'll talk about. And I think it's a tradition that I'll adopt. I'm fine with not buying things on the day you're supposed to be like content and thankful for your life. <laughs> Oh man, I would love for that to be true, <laughs> but America is, that's like the opposite of what I think about America right. Yeah, it, is like it is. being content with what you have. Yeah. Uh, but this, gonna, the subreddit has like 3 million subscribers, so that's a significant amount of people. Yeah. And those are just Reddit users, you know, it's going other places too. So sure. it could be a big like deal. Like this podcast. Right. All six of you who listen can yeah. do this with us. All right. <laughs> Most of you are on Reddit anyway. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for Thanksgiving traditions. And I think it's probably going to do it for this episode. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to I Heard on a Podcast. We've got new episodes on Mondays and Wednesdays. And you can find them wherever you find podcasts. Um, if you know someone like God who listens to this podcast and you think that you are better than God, then don't send them to the, don't send this podcast to someone. But if you think, oh, God's got pretty good taste and he made me, uh, I should probably send this podcast to someone, then do that. Uh, as that always, you confusing can... <laughs> and almost heretical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised I'm not already like smited. <laughs> As always, you can reach us at I Heard It on a podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Smoten? Smitten? Sm- well, Smith? I am smitten. <laughs> I've been smitten. Smitted. God's smitten me <laughs> with my fiance. <laughs>